Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. How many brought some faith to the house of God? Praise God. Well, we had a 252 night. I'm so encouraged about what God is doing in the men of our church, the ladies of our church. Wednesday night, I was watching somewhat my wife on the screen and the worship team while I was babysitting my kids, doing a bit of a multitasking, which I'm not good at. Um, Interesting enough, strange fact for you, last night at our 252 night, we literally had 252 men. You can't make that up. Um, I was like, are you sure it's not 253, Fernando? He's like, no, it's 252. Uh, I'm believing for 504 next time though. I need 252 over this side and 252 over this side. So if you missed it, man, come out to it next time. It really was an incredible night. And um, man, we ate some good food, had some chicken, had some rice. It was Fernando Nada approved. So anyway, it was good, and, and uh, we had Albert perform a bit of a rap song. Come on, Albert. That was good, sir. Next time it's me. Anyway, I'm like that inner private want-to-be-a-rapper. One shot, one opportunity. Anyway, come on, let's, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every man. I thank you for every woman here. Oh God, I thank you for the kids in our kids' space right now. I thank you for everyone who makes it happen all across our church. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for America. I thank you for the government leaders. I thank you for the church across not just America, but across the world. Would you bless and strengthen? God, I, I lift up every individual though right now. God, you know each one. You know their journey. You know their faith. You know their life. You know their experience. You know their future. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in this world and in this, in this time, in, in their world. God, help me communicate your word as you've given it to me. That their lives might be stronger and their lives might flourish. They might become all they're meant to be. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. I declare today, by your grace, by your love. I will become all you desire. Speak to me where I need it. In your mighty name I pray. And the church alive said, Amen, Amen. Grab your seat. High five three people. Tell them they're good looking and people like them. The word of our church this year or the phrase of our church is the... Of, this year is go again. Someone shout, go again. Go again. We talked though last week about the need of humility and how it operates under authority. We talked about the five spheres of authority, family authority and civil authority and workplace authority and social authority and church authority. And when you learn to live under authority, you actually find that grace begins to flow and protection seems to be over your life and 
There's just a, there's a protection to your world that isn't there when you step out of authority. We've been, as a church, um, going through the book of Proverbs. How many of you have been enjoying that? Say yes. yes. If you haven't, join us each uh, day, whether it be the 15th, like today, it's Proverbs chapter 15 today. You can't get it wrong because you just look at the date and go, oh yeah, that's today. And uh, we've been journeying a little bit through the book of Proverbs. And so I want to encourage you to read through that. On the 12th, I was reading through Proverbs chapter 12. And I love the book of Proverbs. I've read it probably more than any other book in the entire Bible, maybe, uh, other than John. And I've read it a lot over the years. And so sometimes when you've read something a lot over the years, you can skim through things and go, oh, that's nice. And I know it. Yeah. Ever done that before? Yeah. Some of you are lying, but you have. <laughs> Um, what our mind does many times is that when it's reading information that it's seen before, sometimes it goes, ah, I've got it. And how many of you know we live in an information age, but I would say an application deficit. And I read through the book of Proverbs chapter 12 quickly. I was kind of cool. And then I just thought to myself, nah, there's a lot more in here that I'm seeing. And then all of a sudden, it's amazing what happens when you come to the word with a humble spirit and a teachable spirit, how all of a sudden the word unfolds to you and begins to unpack. And I just want to show you real quick a picture of Proverbs chapter 12. And this will be kind of a weird scripture, uh, Proverbs chapter 12. So this is, I'm, I'm showing you this because this is how I study the Bible. I literally, uh, I will highlight the entire chapter uh, at biblegateway.com and then I throw it on my OneNote, uh, which is just a, a free application from Microsoft. And I put it on my iPad and then I can highlight um, and I can write all kinds of stuff down here. And this is basically how I study the Bible and have been doing this for a number of months because I used to get a physical Bible. Hand me that physical Bible real quick. And I, how many of you like to underline your Bible? Yeah. How many of you like to write little notes in your Bible? How many know you, that you run out of room yeah. and you've got to write so small that you're like, I can't even see what I wrote. And so I'd been doing that for 20 years and finally I was like, how about I get technologically savvy and now I got all the room in the world. And uh, anyway, OneNote's helping me. Thank you, Ingrid. And if you see anything in green, green always means it's about money. Anyway, that's just my hint. It means it's about money, diligence, laziness, gifting. That's all it means. And then, and then you'll notice this. Someone say, but. Someone say, but. I started noticing all the buts in scripture and I was like, this is weird. And here's why I, I point that out to you. What I actually began to notice is Proverbs chapter 12 verse 1 it says this, whoever loves instruction, someone say love instruction, love instruction, loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. How many know the Bible slapped you sometimes? She's like, oh shoot, I wasn't ready for that one. I was enjoying my coffee until now. <laughs> Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. And then the verse next, uh, sorry, the verse 28 says, in the way of righteousness, there is life. And it says this, along that path is immortality. And what I noticed as I was beginning to study Proverbs chapter 12 is that there is two people. There's the person who actually is teachable and there's the person who is not teachable. 
And what's interesting is it starts with teachable and non-teachable and it ends in eternal life. And then it shows this very distinct path of how the teachable act versus the unteachable. Let me say that again. How the teachable behave, how the teachable speak, how the teachable govern their lives versus the unteachable. And what Solomon shows us is they are completely different. Are you with me? So I want to show you a couple of things and you're not going to remember all of this, so it's okay. But I want to show you the different paths that are taken by someone who is teachable versus someone who is unteachable. How many came to learn something today? The teachable loves instruction. This is where you'd show, oh, beautiful. How many appreciate Jonathan Albert, by the way, who's just... uh, how many of you feel like you should have made those letters a little bit bigger if you're at the back of church though? <laughs> teachable versus unteachable. One loves instruction. One hates correction. One finds favor. One receives condemnation. One cannot be uprooted. One cannot be established. One is a wife of nobility. Or one is a wife that causes rotting of bones. Their plans are just. Their plans are deceitful. Words, no, 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 go back. Oh, you're still there, you just made it larger. Look at you being all fancy. Come on, give Jonathan Albert a hand. All the people in the back of church are like, praise God, I don't have 2020 anymore. How many still got 2020? Say amen. amen. How, many, how many need a little help? Right. I mean, cheating by wearing contacts? No. Yeah, you just don't want people to know you got bad eyes? It's cool. <laughs> Their words rescue them. Their words are violent. The righteous stand firm. The wicked fall. A prudent, thoughtful. That should say warped, but it says wrapped. Uh, warped in thinking. <laughs> listen to advice. Won't listen. Care for animals are cruel. Go to the next one. Is there another one? Okay, cool. Are you still with me? Okay, cool. The teachable work their land. The unteachable are lazy. Their legacy continues. Their legacy doesn't last. They overlook insults. They're quick to get angry. They tell the truth. They spread lies. They promote peace. They spread strife. They're protected by God. They reap the consequences. They know when to speak. They blurt out everything. They're diligent. One's lazy. Choose their friends carefully. A led astray. Prize their catch. Too lazy to roast. Someone say two paths. Isn't it? It's like night and day, isn't it? And here's what's so interesting. The first verse tells us why. The first one is unteachable. And the second one is teachable. So let me just say this to you today. As we go again this year, can you go again with teachability? See, teachability is the fruit of humility. Unteachability is the fruit of pride. I've heard it said that pride is the forerunner to all sin. But humility actually gains grace and favor from the Lord. Can I get a good amen? 
Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 15. This is the proverb of the day. Proverbs 15, 31. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. I got to preach on this a number of weeks ago. He who disdains instruction, watch this now, this is so important, despises his own soul. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Ken Blanchard says this, feedback is the breakfast of champions. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. How do I know if you have humility? How do I know if I'm struggling with pride or humility? The first one is I'm under authority or I resist authority. How do I know if I have humility? I am teachable. Someone say teach me. As a pastor who's been a pastoring a long time now, you're like, oh, you're a teacher. If I'm not teachable, I'm dead. If I'm not teachable, I'll go into folly and foolishness. Think I'm too good. Uh, if, if I'm not teachable, if I don't have mentors and correctors, and if I don't listen to podcasts, if I don't listen to the Holy Spirit, if I don't listen to my wife, if I don't listen to friends around me, guess what? I'll become a fool. Are you with me? Aldous Huxley says this, experience teaches only the teachable. Experience teaches only the teachable. How many made some mistakes last year? How many want to learn from it? How many doing a little, some things a little bit different this year? You can repeat the past or you can learn from it. Proverbs 4, 14, sorry, verse 10. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. I want to give you three points today real quick around teachability. Number one is this. You'll never reach your potential if you're not teachable. How many want to reach your potential? Come on, how many want to reach their potential? God has made you with incredible, incredible potential, but you'll never reach your potential if you're not teachable. I, I, I remember hearing a story about Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan, obviously one of the greatest gifted athletes, perhaps of all time. He said this interesting line that for some reason I remembered recently. He said, I learned the game of basketball by Dean Smith. Dean Smith was his coach at the University of North Carolina. And how many know Dean Smith was not as good an athlete as Michael Jordan? He was older, couldn't jump like Mike, couldn't hang like Mike, couldn't do what Mike could do. Yet Mike learned basketball from him. Imagine showing up as one of the most gifted athletes of all time. You're 18, 19, 20, cocky as anything. And you look at your coach and he's a bit older. Doesn't know, isn't as gifted as you. Doesn't have as much raw talent as you. And how many know it would have been so easy for him to look at that, that coach and just go, you're not as good as me. You're not as gifted as me. You can't jump like I can. But it's interesting that he had humility as a basketball player to say, I need to keep growing and I need to keep learning. Which teaches me this. I remember Pastor Craig Rochelle saying this, your current success 
is the greatest danger to your future success. Your current success is the greatest danger to your future success. Because when you get successful, how many know, sometimes you can be like, ah, I'm good now. Woo, got a little money in the bank, got promoted. <laughs> I used to need church. I used to need God's instruction. I used to need it. But life's good now. Got you. Pastor, yeah, I'll come back to you in years to come. And I found most of the time, come back broken. Come back humbled. Come back like God knows. I, I bumped into a man recently. He said, Pastor, I'm back now. He said, because the last seven years broke him. Can I encourage you? Don't be broken. Humble yourself. I'd rather humble myself than be broken. I'd, I'd rather just, Lord, teach me what I need to know. Adjust me where I need to know it. Oh, I humble myself before you. Why do we fast every first Tuesday as a church? We fast one time a month. Why do we do it across the years? Why? It's a humbling thing. Why do we do men's prayer? It's a humbling thing. Why do we do those things? Why do you need a transformed group? It's actually a humbling thing. You're like, oh, I'm good. No, you're not. You aren't that talented. Listen to Psalm 92 verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted. Someone say planted. planted. Come on, say planted. planted. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in where? Old age. If you're getting older in age, I pray you bear fruit in this church. That you don't just sit there and stuck and I heard it all before, Pastor. I don't need anything anymore. No, you can bear fruit in old age. You can be the most fruitful now than you've ever been if you'll stay planted and stay humble. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Attending services are great. The truth is you're not planted until you're on a dream team or in a transform group. It's just the facts. But I'll even say this, you're not planted until you're correctable. I'll attend one, but don't tell me what to do. I'll attend one, but I'm not going to build any relationships. I'll walk in, I'll walk out. I don't like people. People hurt me before. Church hurt me. Leaders hurt me. You know, I went to a restaurant recently. It wasn't very good. I still go to restaurants. I had a waiter one time, the weirdest, the rudest waiter we've ever had. We purposely didn't give her much of a tip because she was the worst. Literally ignored us the whole time. And then to even make it worse, uh, we, we tip like a small amount. We, again, we don't do that because they're 10 seconds late, later than we want. We're not looking for an opportunity to rip off our waiter. I just want to let you know. Okay, don't be that person. This person neglected us. We're like, hey. So just look over, just keep on walking. Gave her a tiny tip. She then added $10 to the tip. And we're like, dang, girl, you got some nerve. <laughs> I still go to restaurants. Some of you have been to a church. You're like, I got heard of that church. I just want to run in, run out. Planted in the house of God, you'll flourish. Planted in the house of God, you'll flourish. 
Planted means I'm, I'm part of it. Planted means I have relationship. Planted means I have friendships. I, I, I got a friend, but he hurt me. Now I can't plant. No, you, you need that pruning. You need to forgive people. You're like, oh, I don't like to forgive. Okay? No one likes to forgive. Jesus tells you to do it because you need it. Following Jesus means forgiving. Following Jesus means forgiving. Let me shout it from the rooftops. Following Jesus means forgiving. John 15 verse 12. This is my commandment that you what? Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this. He laid down his life for his friends. Good message, Pastor. Run into church. Run out of church. Avoid people. You're not hearing me. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this. Then he lay down his life for his friends. Humility says, if Jesus is teaching me this is the greatest thing, therefore it is the greatest thing. Number two. The area of your life you most dislike advice is most likely the area you most need it. I'll say that for the back of the room. The front of the room, the side of the room, the middle of the room. The area of your life you most dislike advice is most likely the area you most need it. Proverbs 15, 32, but he who heeds rebukes gets understanding. Not he who listens to information gets understanding. It means someone has to be close enough to you to see the dysfunction. Someone has to be close enough to you to see where you're off. Why do you think we have so much? Why do you think marriage is a challenge? Because they see the dysfunction. I thought you were perfect until we got married. (laughs) Now I'm going to change you to be more like me. In a world of self-love and find your truth, we are to receive teaching, correction, and rebuke. That's being a follower of Jesus. Mark 9, verse 33. And he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves along the road? What's this now? But they kept silent. They're like, Why are you asking that question, Jesus? <laughs> it's awkward. They were talking about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus and I, what, what are you talking about? And they, he, they literally don't want him to talk about it. The area you don't want Jesus to talk to you about. He's going to talk to you about it. I ha- the area you don't want Jesus to talk to you about. That's the area. Well, what are you talking about? And they go quiet. But they kept silent. For on the road they disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down. Called the twelve. Said to them, if anyone desires to be first he shall be last of all and servant of all 
Takes humility to be a servant. Then he took a little child, set him in the midst. This is the teaching moment. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little ones in my name receives me. Whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. How cool would it be just to hang with Jesus? Jesus just breaking out little kids' lunches and just multiplying. You're like, how do you do that? Just a little like Chick-fil-A, just like nuggets. Just everyone get them. Right? Like, I sign up for that. Walked on water. Rubbed dirt in the eyes of a blind dude. See? Like, how'd you do that? It's cool hanging out with Jesus until he corrects you. You're walking behind him because you think he's going to be the king and you think you're going to be the leaders of the 12 tribes. And so you see yourself in a, in a governmental position. This is why they're arguing about it. Like, hey, we know who's going to be the king, but who's going to be next? Who's going to be second in charge to Jesus? And they are viewing a Israeli kingdom. And that's why they're arguing about it. And they don't actually realize he's building an eternal kingdom. And they're thinking it's a physical kingdom. So like, Jesus, I want to be your top dog. He says, no, no, no. Humble yourself. Serve people. How do you be great in my kingdom? Jesus did not point them away from greatness, but pointed them to greatness through serving. You're like, ah, don't try and be great. No, be great at serving. Whatever your gift, whatever your talent, be great at that. Do it with all your heart. But allow your financial gift or teaching gift or music gift or leadership gift or administrative gift, whatever it is that you are good at, allow that to be the thing that you serve Jesus with. Jesus, Paul said in Colossians 3, 23, he says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. As under the Lord. How many you know if you do things with all your heart, you end up being great at them? If you do business with all your heart, teaching with all your heart, ministry with all your heart, leadership with all your heart, mothering with all your heart, fathering with all your heart, eventually you become great at it, especially if you put Him as King. So Jesus is not against you being great. He's for you being great. He wants you to greatly serve. But here's the deal. You can't be a disciple unless you are correctable. Corrects them. I just want Jesus to tell me He loves me. He does love you. More than you know. But He will correct you. Oh, that's not my Jesus. Then you have a fake Jesus. There were seven churches in Revelation 2, chapter 3. Almost all of them get corrected. You got to be correctable. Third thought, as we close. The essence of discipleship is teachability. The essence of discipleship is teachability. Let me give you a bigger quote just to expand this thought. The essence of discipleship is teachability for we have never fully arrived as the Lord has more to teach us and more to bring out of us. 
Let me say that again. The essence of discipleship is teachability for we have never fully arrived. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how long you pray. For we have never fully arrived as the Lord has more to teach us and He has more to bring out of us. Let me ask you a quick question. As I asked myself this question recently, am I teachable? What's the area of your life you don't want anyone to teach you about? Like, Pastor, don't you talk to me about that area. <laughs> In marriage, what's the one area you can't hear any instruction about? Maybe that's the area. Pride is your lid. But humility is not sexy. But in the kingdom of God, it is. In the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it's not about the selfie. It's about humility. And as we go this year, let us go and continue to go with humility, with serving. How do I know I'm humble? Someone can correct me. Someone can talk to me. Someone can challenge me. Someone can exhort me. Now, if you run around church and just look for people to correct, just want to let you know you're the problem. Some of my greatest life-changing conversations were the conversations I didn't want to hear. My most life-changing conversations isn't someone coming up and saying, good word, Pastor. My most, my most life-changing conversations isn't, you did a good job. My most life-changing conversations is, you got to grow still. You got to change. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit is called the guide. Oh, I'm glad for the guide. I'm glad for worship that in the moments, I'll feel sometimes the Lord just adjusts something in me. As I'm preparing for Sunday, I'll, I'll notice, I'll, I'll do a talk and then I can tell the Lord's got some work to do. I kind of can tell He needs to adjust something in me or in the message. It's almost like the skeleton is there, but oh, there's no breath yet. And I, I notice that He needs me to adjust some things. How many need to adjust some things? Coming all across this place. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, right now, your people need you. I need you. Families need you. Marriages need you. Single people need you. Teenagers, they need you. Father, I pray today for every single person that a spirit of humility and teachability would come on them this year, that they would be able to advance and expand more than they ever have. But it wouldn't be for their glory whatsoever. It would be for yours, but it would be for their good. I pray over your house and pray over your church, the Lord, that you would just bless it and strengthen it in every single way that you need to. Lord, we need you. Say that simple prayer. Say, Lord, we need you. I need you. 
Help me see what I'm unable to see by myself. Open my eyes, Holy Spirit, to grow, to change, to become more. Father, I pray over your people today that they truly would see and we truly would see what we need to see. I trust you to do the work, Lord. Our eyes are closed all across this place. I want to tell you here today, if you're perhaps new and someone invited you or you're not sure about your own faith with God, Jesus modeled all of what I'm talking about. The King of Glory literally stepped down into the most broken place. He was born where cows would feed so that the poorest among us, the spiritually bankrupt, could be lifted out of the most deepest, darkest place died on a cross, rose from the dead. His Spirit now lives in this world, knocks on the door of hearts, guiding people, knocking on the door of a heart to say, son, daughter, I, I want to come in. So all across this place, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you know you're away from God, know you're far from God, have never received God, Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead and says you shall be forgiven. What does it take? It takes a moment of faith, a moment of turning our heart and our affection to God and say, God, I can't do it on my own. I need your forgiveness. I, I need your grace. I want to be a child of God. So all across this place, we're going to pray a prayer as a church family and if you've never prayed to receive Christ before, today's your day. If you're far away from God and you know you need to come back in relationship to Him all across this place, let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, thank You for loving me so much that You died for me. I believe You rose from the dead. I confess with my mouth believe in my heart that you are Lord I ask you to forgive me to make me your child and from this day on help me know you love you serve you plant me in your house plant me in your purpose strengthen every area of my life I give my life to you While eyes are closed all across this place. If you've made business with God online or in person today, would you quickly raise your hand, raise it up high all across this place. Raise it up, raise it up high. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else today? That one at the back there, that's awesome today. That one over there today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. That's awesome today. So good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome today. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand. I thank you for every heart. I thank you for every person placing their faith in you today. May they walk with you. May you seal it in their spirit. Plant them in your purpose and in your house, I pray. Lord, in Jesus' name. And a church alive said,
Come on, can we, can we clap to God for all those people that said yes to Jesus in the house?